What up, dope black family? A's here. Brother Lasmore turned me on to this, uh, this new program that uh, I can do videos and stuff like that with it. So we're going to see what it do. Now, if uh, talk of the town and the black community is the killing of Jordan Neely who was a well-known and loved street performer in New York City. He uh, impersonated Michael Jackson. Could move like him and dance like him, all that. And uh, I'm just going to let this white lady go ahead and tell this. It's 10 minutes, so uh, I'm going to stop it when I want to say something, but y'all know how it is. Endless attacks on the unhoused are apparent in this tragic story we're talking about today. My name is Brittany Page, and this is The Page Perspective. I've started a series across TikTok and here on YouTube and Shorts regarding my main thesis and most of my content. Poverty is a policy choice. I talk about what it means, but I also plan to cover stories that encapsulate what it means to better illustrate it and to get people to understand that our policies can radically transform this nation if only we are willing to get our priorities in line. So please subscribe, like, comment, and get that algorithm fed, and let's work together to make progress. Today's story is another example of poverty as a policy choice. Today we're talking about the murder of Jordan Neely. First, I want to tell you about his life. Jordan, he was 30 years old. He had been homeless, struggling with his mental health, but he was also a talented Michael Jackson impersonator who performed on the subway in New York City and in Times Square. According to reporting from Tory Bedford with Boston's GBH, Jordan had a difficult life. His mother was murdered by her boyfriend when he was just 14, and he testified at the trial about the violence present in their relationship. Her body was found in a suitcase. So this is someone who was struggling and who was failed by the safety net in this country. And his life was ended when a bystander choked him to death yesterday on the subway. According to reporting from the New York Post, Jordan Neely was traveling on a northbound F train Monday afternoon. According to accounts from witnesses, Jordan entered the train and quote, he said he had no food, he had no drink, that he was tired and doesn't care if he goes to jail. He started screaming all of these things, took off his jacket, a black jacket that he had, and threw it on the ground. That's when he said the stranger came up behind Neely and took him to the ground in a chokehold, keeping him there for some 15 minutes. So we're talking about someone who is in pain, is hungry, is thirsty, and he hasn't hurt anyone or touched anyone, and he was strangled to death in the middle of the afternoon on the subway. That's what happened here. Back to the reporting. Neely, who was living on the streets and had a history of mental health issues, lost consciousness after being put in the chokehold, and EMS workers at the station were unable to revive him, police and law enforcement sources said. The stranger, who sources said is a Marine veteran, was taken into custody and later released without charges. Okay, hold on for a second. What the lamestream media is failing to mention, this is a white Marine veteran, all right? And um, big ups to uh, Mr. Harvey at uh, Your World. 
as he's explained, when you go into the military, you're trained hand-to-hand -hand combat. By the time you finish your, your time out of the military, you're a certified killer. So my question and a lot of black America is why wasn't this white man arrested? All right. They said that he was given this man a chokehold at least seven minutes. That's two minutes fewer than George Floyd. But still, this motherfucker wasn't didn't even see a cell or any handcuffs. And that's some bullshit. But let's continue. Did you hear that? without charges in the middle of the day, strangled to death while everyone watched. And one person in fact came over and held his arms down and he was released without charges. Quote, Vasquez said he had mixed feelings about the encounter, particularly since he said Neely had not physically attacked anyone on the train before he was taken down. Mix mixed feelings, he didn't touch or attack anyone and you have mixed feelings about him being killed or expressing a desire for food and a drink who are these people i think in one sense it's fine that citizens want to jump in and help but i think as heroes we have to use moderation he said this would never have happened if the police had shown up within five minutes he added then we'd be talking about a true hero. It's complicated. I'm sorry, as, as heroes, what is happening here? This is a scary person walking around, believing himself to be a hero while he's watching over the murder of another human being in broad daylight for the crime of being unhoused, being hungry, being thirsty, and being upset about all of that. What world are we living in? Can we also stop and talk about this New York Post headline? Shocking video shows New York City subway passenger putting unhinged man in deadly chokehold. Unhinged? The accounts state that he yelled, quote unquote, aggressively, which is a loaded term, quite subjective, especially when we're talking about people commenting on a black man's behavior and unhoused man's behavior. Given the influences of racism and the constant messages we receive about how dangerous unhoused people are, we know that terms like aggressive can be inaccurate, to say the least. But what about the New York Times? Surely they would have a better headline, right? Man dies on subway after another writer places him in chokehold. Hmm. What about vigilante justice marine kills innocent man begging for help on subway? This is the kind of headline we see when a cop kills someone. The language we use about these events matters. It influences people's perception. We're already existing in a time when conservative media has wall-to-wall -wall coverage of how dangerous our cities are, they say, particularly because of the growing number of unhoused. Their solutions, never involving a humane approach focused on alleviating poverty, but instead of criminalizing poverty and removing <coughs> visible, visible poverty from the streets. This is the end result when you dehumanize the unhoused. Their pleas for help are met with violence and death rather than compassion and empathy. You know, inevitably, when I do these stories, people will say, oh, yeah, what would you do if you were approached by someone like this? Well, I wouldn't murder them. We can start there. As a woman existing in public, I've certainly been harassed. But I can tell you that these instances of harassment 
are far more likely to happen at the hands of a clean-cut man with a polo tee and slacks than an unhoused person struggling with their mental health. As a mental health therapist, I've worked in an inpatient psychiatric hospital. So unlike Jesse Waters and the conservatives on Fox News warning of the dangers posed by the unhoused, I'm not scared when someone is exhibiting symptoms of a mental health crisis. I maintain awareness of my surroundings, and if possible, if the situation warrants, I have in the past attempted to assist in a way that centers the person's needs and humanity. That's it. But it's interesting to me that these conservative men, you know, constantly banging on about the importance of traditional masculinity are so frail and fragile that they're afraid to have an unhoused person, even one quote unquote yelling aggressively in their presence. I remember a few months ago, I did a video about Jason Chaffetz expressing fear of going outside in a big city. And this is the direct result of constant coverage like that. We as a society are failing to meet the needs of our most vulnerable. You know, I recently read a story by Mike Baker in the New York Times, homeless in the city where he was once mayor. Craig Coiner's descent onto the streets of Bend, Oregon came after decades spent fighting as a lawyer and politician for those on the edge of society. Craig had achieved what many would say signaled success, a skilled lawyer, a city council member, and then a mayor. But things went wrong for Craig when he struggled with his mental health, described in the article as emerging bipolar disorder, which prompted him to turn to alcohol to cope. <coughs> he lost his job. He got into legal trouble. He lost his license to practice. His wife died. He was involuntarily hospitalized. He lost his house. You see how quickly things can go wrong through no fault of your own. And this Okay, hold on a Now that happened to a white dude. It's 10 times worse if you're black. But see, I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I think the police are given some type of incentive to just harass and jail and falsify arrest records on blacks as if they got stock in some of these private prisons. Now, that's something to think about. Let's continue. Article was powerful because it makes clear that we we are all of us one or two missteps away from things that could go terribly wrong. And rather than ignoring that for the sake of our own mental health, I wish that more of us would sit with what it means. I wish that would inform our compassion and our empathy for other people. For people like Jordan Neely, people who live difficult lives, experiencing different types of trauma, who find themselves on the margins of society, who just want what we all want. Some semblance of stability, some food, something to drink, some rest, comfort. I'm sad for Jordan and those who loved him that he wasn't met with compassion when he needed help. I hope his story can mobilize a collective change of yes, heart. Yes, babe, she's crying. Policy is a policy Becky choice. Dunn turned and we on don't the need tears. to leave people to suffer, to be killed on the subway For at the nigger. hands of fragile men who are taught to fear what they don't understand. What do you think? I'd love to know. Call 657-464-7609, or you can send an email to idoubtit.allmore.com. You can support us on patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. And on that note, my call is that motherfucker needs to be arrested and properly charged. It wasn't a first-degree murder, but goddammit, 
That's the second degree, if not involuntary manslaughter. The GI needs to be brought up on charges. Because that couldn't have been my son. It's Hayes and Nini. We out.